Welcome to another episode of the WAN Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, as always, and this is the show where we talk to networking experts about the data services that make business possible. So when I first started benchmarking networks uh, back around 2013, um, the key use case that we had then and for really many years after was just making sure that uh, the the end users carrier um, was agreeing to lower prices kind of in concert with with what the market uh, was doing across their network um, over the life of that contract and, and make sure that you were thinking about that um, for, for the next three years or five years, say, uh, on how prices were going to change because there's one sort of true thing in telecom, which is that uh, prices are always headed in the, the downward direction and, and you need to stay on top of that and, and make sure that you were getting um, the best out of your carrier. Uh, believe it or not, we still do have some customers who that's uh, what their primary goal still is. They're going for renewal with maybe a large uh, kind of global provider and, and just want to make sure that that their prices reflect uh, what has happened in the market. But for the vast majority of our customers, life is much more complicated these days because they're coming out of this MPLS-based environment, going into the cloud first, to the UCAS, to uh, SaaS kind of situations, local internet breakouts, adopting SD-WAN, all those kinds of challenges that make this a much more complicated uh, uh, environment and and making the benchmark process about a lot more than just how much have my prices fallen, but more about sort of what is the right mix of products? How's that going to affect my bottom line? Uh, and all of those kind of changes to accommodate everything else that's been going on in IT outside of the IT infrastructure team. So it gets really complicated and I wanted us to be able to have an episode to sort of cut through how do you get from uh, the MPLS network to your your network of the future, if you will, and, and sort of make that transition as smooth as possible and understand what the uh, budgetary and, and technological impacts are going to be along the way. So to help me out with that, because I certainly couldn't do it by myself, I'm pleased to welcome to the show Ian Calderbank of Calderbank Consulting. Welcome, Ian. Oh, thank you, Greg. Yeah, uh, and I should I should have said welcome back because uh, <laughs> you have been on the show before, so about a year ago, episode two fifteen. If anybody wants to to go back, uh, and you were then in a different professional role uh, than you are now, um, so I thought maybe even though you've already been on the show and people could go back and listen to that, maybe give us now a, a sort of a brief uh, intro of your background and kind of talk about uh, what you're up to these days. Uh, sure. So when I was on the uh, on the show before, I was the um, enterprise network architect for Page Group, a um, a, a global uh, recruitment firm, one of the largest based out of the UK, and we were working our way through a full transformation of the WAN from an old, basically an old school MPLS design mm -hmm. to a complete transformation to DIA, SD WAN, SASE, and um, uh, cloud-based uh, infrastructure in, 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 in our case, uh, Microsoft Azure. Um, and actually, actually, I was just thinking, because that was last year, I was actually, I think the first time we spoke, Greg, was probably around about 2018, when, yes, we, were, when we were first looking at the costs of MPLS. Mm -hmm. in in uh to our, right. our apropos to my intro right so it's yeah. like you know the, the very first time it's thinking about how much should this cost now it's what what happens when i blow it all up right so, yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah. 
Yeah, so that was a that was a you know a, a major transform of uh, of, a, of a global organization's uh, uh, WAN and uh, security network security infrastructure. Um, mm -hmm. I've I've since moved on from that role, so I'm now working as a, a, a freelance uh, network architect, right. uh, network slash network consultant. So I'm I'm doing you know network consultancy projects for that kind of you know the hard stuff. The, you know the, the the organizations that have got um you know interesting looking problems that need uh need, you know got a certain amount of complexity that needs uh, that, that needs solving yeah and and that's exactly why I wanted to do this episode with you uh that when when I saw because we've been in in touch for for various purposes uh since uh, 2018 off and on here and there when I saw that uh that you had left your role at page group we're in this kind of independent uh sort of consulting role I had this idea of like, hey, telegeography has all of these data that we collect about network infrastructure, cloud infrastructure, and of course, pricing, doing the benchmarks uh, and, and whatnot. But we're not engineers. We've never done any WAN transformations ourselves. And I kind of saw this opportunity to reach out to you and say, hey, would you want to sort of, you know, hitch to our wagon a little bit, utilize our data and help someone uh, actually go through that entire process that you've been through and, and did with sort of flying colors there. Um, so, so, you know, to make that clear at the start of the show, kind of what we're going to be talking about here is, is how uh, the, the two of us, you know, sort of uh, telegeography on my side slash me and then you on, on your sort of independent consulting role could take a customer through this kind of transformation in a, in a sort of full service kind of way, like the, the data uh, for the decision making coming from us and the, the knowledge about how to actually make that work coming from you. Um, if that sounds like a like a, a, a fair assessment of kind of our plans to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a shameless plug if you like for what yeah, for, yeah, I mean, for, that's, for that's what we're what, here for right? what, so, for what we're going to be doing. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I you know I I see that from the experience I've had that there's going to be quite a lot of uh, organizations who kind of know that they need to transform but might not necessarily know how to get started and they wouldn't necessarily get the best advice from their incumbent service provider so it's 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 worth looking for some external uh, uh, advice if it's not necessarily even you know the whole you know build the whole shooting mm -hmm. match for you but to get to uh, get a second opinion if you like yeah 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 exactly and 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 also to be clear there's there's a whole uh range of sort of like onboard expertise and and experience at, at all the enterprises that i talk to um for various purposes over over the years and you know, there, there may be some who just want to still go to an MSP and kind of hand it all over. You know, I think mm. in, in this kind of case where we're probably talking to someone, uh, you know, uh, most closely who, you know, doesn't need to, to still farm everything out to an M MSP. But, you know, once once like a really solid idea of, of how to make this transformation largely themselves, maybe putting together different vendors and that kind of thing um, without just you know, going to, to a full kind of outsource situation again, which is the right decision for some folks, but not all, certainly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Excellent. So um, let's let's jump into it. And I want to start out thinking about kind of the, the current state or what we, we might call legacy networks, even though uh, that legacy network, so to speak, is is the present network for, for many, many organizations out there. Um, you know, we, we run the, the WAN manager survey. I talk to people about this uh, kind of thing all the time. Uh, and, and we have benchmarking customers coming in in these situations that 
are still in a kind of mostly MPLS network, breaking internet traffic out centrally, trying to run all of these uh, you know, cloud-based tools out of a centralized breakout still and, and that kind of thing, often still having data centers mostly on-premises and, and, and whatnot. Um, could you take us through your, sort of your view of, of the current state of the network mm-hmm. and what its pain points are in this different environment that we find ourselves Sure. So yeah, I've got a kind of like a top four or top five of um, mm-hmm. the, the typical issues that, that I see. So where you have organizations that have merged, you know, mergers and acquisitions type uh, right. uh, behavior within the companies uh, joining each other, or where you simply have organic growth that has not been particularly well governed or, mm-hmm. or not necessarily had much in the way of a strategy behind it, then you right. often end up with these diverse networks that um, they kind of got a label of, you know, the label on the outside might say this is all red. But when you go and look under the covers, then there's a red bit and a blue bit and a green bit and a yellow bit, and mm-hmm. they don't really talk to each other particularly well. So, you know, if somebody's got a, a customer that they want to attach to the red bit and another customer that they want to attach to the green bit, can those two customers talk to each other? Nah, they can't mm-hmm. because they are, it's not really been integrated. So that's a, that that's one that I've that, that I've seen uh, quite a few examples of, um, mm-hmm. both within enterprise and is and also within the sort of small to medium uh, service provider kind of spectrum, which is where this mm. some, sometimes a little bit of an overlap between what's a what's a large enterprise and what's a what's a small service provider. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, a, a second obvious point is, you know, still the use of MPLS. Um, in that situation, you may well be feeling like the service provider owns you, if you like. You might mm-hmm. find yourself questioning, whose network is this? <laughs> um, right. you, know, you may be in meetings with a service provider and they'll say, well, yeah, on our network, we'll, we'll do this. And it's like, no, it's not your network. It's my network. But if you actually think about it, they're the ones who are in control and are, and, and are, mm-hmm. and are basically making all the decisions about how to... Um, how to structure it and how to make changes. You, you've got very little flexibility. Right. Um, you are, of course, tied to them by right. virtue of the fact that you're still on MPLS. So when you're looking for, you know, perhaps different countries or different flexibility in terms of different access media, you're probably quite restricted and um, not uh, not able to do that. And, and maybe in some cases, not don't even have visibility into it. You know, yep. so um, you know, I've certainly heard lots of folks. Uh, saying, you know, even if I wanted to get a, a sort of, you know, a, um, map file from my carrier yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that shows me my diverse routes, you know, to each office, I, I don't even know if they, they could provide that, right? Yeah, you so, want to look at what yeah. routes you're on, you want to look at what your routing tables are, where's your traffic flowing, net flow, those kind of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. you probably can't get any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, next pain point, typical one is where you've got on-prem data centers, uh, often the infrastructure is aging um, because the business hasn't wanted to invest because they think, oh, well, we're going to replace this eventually or we're going to move to cloud. So right. they say, oh, you know, that switch that's 15 years old and went out of support six years ago, just mm-hmm. kind of keep it running if you can. Yeah. And every time it's bubble falls, gum and duct tape. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I've seen plenty of examples of that. And 
you know, as a, as a network manager, you're looking at that and thinking, I, I really have to replace this device because if it dies, then something big in my data center dies. But then the business says, no, you can't have the money because, you know, we want to invest to go cloud. Mm-hmm. So that's a real, um, that's a real obvious problem. Um, and the other thing you get in this kind of legacy data centers that have been there some time is you'll, you'll typically get layers of onions. That, you know what, what mm. I call the onion layers that's, that's that's developed. So you'll have, you know, A will depend on B, and B will depend on C, and C will depend on D, and then it turns out that A is mission critical, and right. D's D's a single point of failure and out of support, and the last guy who knew about it left the building two <laughs> years ago, right. and you're scratching your head, going, how do I how do I make A safe without right. um without the whole thing collapsing down. And again, it can often depend on, well, actually the way to do this properly would be to replace some of it or redesign it, but I can't do that because I want to move to, um, I want to move out of on-prem and into, in, into cloud. Right. Um, and then the, the, the kind of the, the fourth pain point is the, the use of centralized breakouts, which kind of goes with an MPLS architecture. Right. Um, they'll right. often be delivered as the managed service from, from your MPLS service provider, typically a managed firewall of some sort. Um, you are likely to hit capacity or performance problems with, with the typical mm-hmm. modern working systems such as Teams and Zoom. Um, right. You know, it's not architected for that. You'll find yourself running out of bandwidth or getting shocking latency or both. Yeah, and, and I mean, a particular problem I, I've heard a lot of late that, you know, we're now at a point where a lot of folks are returning to some kind of office schedule. I I, I go in once a week these days, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, you, you'll end up having meetings on your laptop in your cubicle right? yeah. Over, yeah. over Zoom, even sometimes when there's a couple other people there in the office with you, but like the rest yeah. of the team is, is remote yeah. now. You're st- and you're still you're, doing it on, on. Yeah. And breaking that out, you know, centrally, um, you're going to, you're going to see a, a, a pixelated shadowy figure that, uh, that mm. sounds like they're on, you know, Star Wars uh, com. Unit, <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. You know? so, yeah. Yeah. And then the the the, the fifth uh, obvious pain point that I've seen is where a migration to infrastructure as a service cloud has started with your service provider. You may well have got them to put in a, a private circuit, so an, a, you know an express route uh, type of thing to to connect you to a private cloud right. from the service provider's cloud. Um, probably a good idea at the time because that was the only way you could build that connection with with, with the service provider that you had, but um, in terms of an evolution to a, a an SD WAN architecture, you'll find yourself thinking, "Well, how does this traffic is does this SD WAN traffic supposed to route over the express route, or am I going to try and pull it around the outside over the internet? And mm-hmm. can I get any visibility of what that express route's doing, either from right. a routing point of view, BGP, or from a NetFlow end? Probably not, because it's on a right. generally speaking, it'll be on a shared service provider um, provider edge." type device in one of their pops, which is obviously shared across multiple customers. So mm-hmm. they're not going to give you as an end customer any visibility of over control over that. So kind of yeah, the service provider express route, it was it had its time, but it's mm-hmm. it, it's something that needs need, you know need, needs to be moved away from as part of um, evolving towards a you know an SD WAN and DIA based uh, architecture. Yeah, yeah, and and especially to that point that um, the vast majority of enterprises that that we have in our survey that we talk to uh, aren't just using one 
cloud service provider. There's not, mm. you know, it's usually not just on Azure. You can't get of away course, with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like there's also AWS and Google and Oracle and maybe some IBM thrown in there. And if you have China offices, you have to use Alibaba and all that, right? So it mm. like, makes that even more uh, complicated. So when, yes, uh, yeah. Actually, I didn't I didn't mention the Great Firewall, but yeah, if you right. have if you are an organization that has offices in China, which the the one I did the big mm-hmm. the big restructure for is, then that's a whole right. A whole extra, um, you know, I define that as a separate problem category in itself. Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, and then, and then that's not the only sort of geographic area that that creates its own other problems. Then there's there's certain issues with being in South Asia about routing which way the submarine cable goes, and there's issues about being mm-hmm. in in Middle East, North Africa in terms of the the port sizes because of the price and all that. Right. So it's like. Um, uh, sort of the, the world uh, is is not flat as many people predicted it would be in the <laughs> internet age. It is far from it. Yeah. So um, when we were talking about this ahead of time, uh, I, I really liked the uh, illusion you made that we were going to think through this of, of the Gordian knot. Right. That mm. um, uh, that this is uh, the, this uh, incredible mess that's complicated, um, and your task is to sort of. Uh, in, in, as as Alexander the Great did, sort of uh, figure out how to untie the Gordian knot. So, mm. um, in, in our, our our next stage, right, is looking at this legacy network that's there, um, and then untying that Gordian knot to get to the the network that you really need right now. Mm. Um, so, if if we have you know a network manager that comes along and, and finds themselves. In this sort of uh, Gordian knot stage, um, you know, one of the problems that they have isn't just what should my network look like to accommodate all of these changes, but it's how do I get from where I am now to that network without angry phone calls every other day, right? Every other day might be like a severe underestimation even, right? Yeah, um, Yeah, so it can can be quite easy to draw the target state. You could, you know, Mm -hmm. draw a nice Visio diagram or PowerPoint that says, this is what I believe our network should look like, you know, for the future. Uh, right. to, to support our business. Most people can have a reason, you know, got a reasonable strategy idea out mm-hmm. of, of that for their organization. Um, but you've got the, uh, they, but the problem you've got is what have you got now and how do you get right. to that, to that state? Um, and of course you can't actually do what Alexander did and take a sword to the thing because um, exactly. <laughs> you, yeah. you need to, you yeah, need very to appealing things. though, isn't it? It's, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. just, just, just trash it and build a new one. Yeah. But uh, yeah. no, we, we, we have to keep business continuity. We have to keep, keep the lights on. We have to keep it all running. Um, so the, there's this, there's this uh, thing that one of my old bosses talked to me about a while, uh, many years ago, which is this thing, you know, the tyranny of the immediate then you'll mm-hmm. find yourself doing so much firefighting and so much, well, I've got to reboot that switch or I've got to put that upgrade in or I've got to build that new right. office or whatever it may be that you don't actually have the time to think, what do I need to be, where do I need these things to be in six months? Mm-hmm. And, I, and if that's going to take me three years to get to my target state, then so be it. Let's, right. let's you know, so you need to look at, you know, taking an arm's length approach from that that tyranny and just... You know, separating out, you know, part of your part of your functionality, um, part of your uh, thinking power, to 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 analyze, mm-hmm. you know, 
what is the current situation? What's the plan that you what that you're going to need to execute to get through to get to where you need to be? And that looks that's basically about drawing out a big dependency map of what relies on what, what which right. piece can we move first? Um, you know, think of it instead of Gordian, not think like three-dimensional chess that they played in, um, I think it was yeah. in Star Wars or Star Trek, I can't remember. Um, yeah. It's like, well, yeah. which piece can we move first bef- without the other ones all f- falling down? And and actually, right. we might we might even need to buy some pieces that we don't actually need long-term, but mm-hmm. we might need them as a safe place to um, keep things running for an interim period, say, yeah, right. something like that. Right. Um, yeah. So, and, and, and to be able to justify that to, yeah. to the, the purse string holders too. Right. So I, mm. I think, and, and, you know, you know, kind of shameless self plug, but I think very realistic is that, is that this is where it becomes really helpful to have an outside set of eyes. Right. And, and information for that matter. Um, because like you said, if you're, you're in the tyranny of the immediate and it's very difficult to do that pulling back, whereas it's, it's, you know, sometimes very easy for someone who's outside of that situation, not having to deal with that day-to-day stuff to mm. look at, at, at what you have and, and say, okay, you know, th- this is, this is where you can go. Um, and so even, you know, even if you as, as a network manager sort of like certainly could do this in, in the perfect world, um, it's, it's almost, you're, you're being asked too much. <laughs> they're, they're asking too much of you to be able to, to, to do that kind of uh, layer of thinking on top of the, you know, keeping everyone happy on a day-to-day basis, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, then once we're sort of thinking through that sort of uh, interim period, um, like you said, you might even already have kind of a, a picture of what the end state looks like. And I, and I know that certainly, you know, one of our sort of mantras when we're talking to, uh, you know, people that are interested in our survey results or our customers who are interested in a benchmark, every network is unique. So whenever I say, you know, you can save X percent, or I always have to say, of course, everyone's network is is unique. Um, but, you know, maybe you can provide for us the the, the contours, the, the the broad brushes of of what that target state network kind of looks like and, and what you think um, the, the typical sort of, uh, you know, enterprise multinational corporation should be looking at getting to, um, as they, as they finish this journey. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, uh, as you said, every network's different, so no, nothing is going to be perfect for everyone's environment and right. you've always got local specifics to consider, but you know, it, in general, there's very few reasons now to stick with MPLS. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, possible exceptions, places like China, where it right. probably does still make sense. But almost everywhere else, you, you can look at DIA and you can use it to do all the same things that you would have previously done with MPLS. Because guess what? In most network uh, carriers, the mm-hmm. DIA service is delivered on exactly the same backbone. The same network. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. the same wires. It's yeah, the same fibers. Absolutely. It's the same. And you, and you can get similar SLAs with, yeah. you know, with that, um, it's, you know, you're just, and, and, and truthfully, you know, th- there were people who were skeptical of the vendors saying this, but I mean, years ago, the, the SD-WAN vendors were sort of arguing like, Hey, all of those things that, that made MPLS so useful for you 15 years ago, we can do with this overlay now. Mm. Right. You know, so, um, and I think, I think that has borne out 
to, to be, you know, more or less true, there, there are some other things that pop up that, that are ancillary to that, like the, the middle mile issues and whatnot, yeah. but, but, so, you know, broadly speaking, that looks true, right? So. Yeah. So, I mean, some, some of the SD-WAN vendors were sort of, you know, on a sales pitch two or three years ago around, you could just use, you know, basic broadband for everything and our, our right. correction will, will take care of everything. And, you know, maybe that still works for small offices and the like. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, if I, if I was a, you know, a, 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 a FTSE 100 or a, an S&P 500 um, right. organization, I, I would not be going broadband left, right and center. I'd be going exactly that, that's du- dual, 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 dual carrier, you know, to, tier one, tier two grade mm-hmm. DIA for, for, yeah. for every office. You're going to get exactly the same backbone as if you bought MPOS. Yeah. And, and there's a exactly the big difference in price still between, you know, sort of business broadband, which is ultimately business broadband is, is just consumer broadband with with a, a some different language in the t's and c's right so <laughs> it is it is you know functionally you know so so i think that's important for people to always have at the focus when we're talking about internet first kind of yeah. networks um we're almost always really talking about dia not about something Absolutely. like you know, broadband has its broadband. places backups or yeah. for, for yeah. small sites and those kind of things but mm-hmm. for you know you your target position should be dia uh, unless yeah. not possible right Right. Um, what that then allows you to do is you can, you know, pick DIA from carrier one, DIA from carrier two, and mm-hmm. guess what? They're both on the internet. So they're, right. they're, inter- they're interconnected. Um, I say interconnected. One of the things you have to look at when you're planning your network architecture is where are the interconnect points and mm-hmm. how, you know, how much, how well are they interconnected? Is it, is it at some IXP that's, you know, a, li- a little bit thin on capacity or have they got nice right. big fat? Uh, peerings um, and do they peer in the right places because mm-hmm. um, sometimes you may find that it looks like they've got a peering but actually they don't exchange any routes there um, right. so they might both be members of the AXP but they actually everything routes back to Miami or something like that whereas mm-hmm. I've seen that in, for example in South America yeah. it's it looked like they appeared in Sao Paulo right. but actually they didn't yeah that's uh, very often the case doing that trombone back to Napa the Americas uh, yeah and I should say, near and dear to our heart at Telegeography, right? This is Absolutely. exactly what we think about the geography of networks and why it matters, right? So, yeah. But one, one of the benefits of just, you know, just think you've got to go DIA is that you you then, you you can say it's it's a commodity service. I've set the specifications for what I want. I'm going to buy an instance of it from carrier B and an instance right. of the same from carrier uh, C. And, you know, if one of them gives me less than what I wanted, I can go back to carrier A and... I'll know I'm yeah. the same thing. I'm not tied in. And, you know, I think that's, there's actually, and you can, you can view this in a way uh, as, as an opportunity for carriers in the sense that like, yeah, MPLS was wonderful because you, you had, you basically had to have a very small number. If it wasn't one, you know, it was still a very small number of MPLS providers because that's the nature of MPLS. It, it has mm. to be that carrier's network. Um, and, and, and so they, they had a lot of customer stickiness that way and, and, and that sort of thing. But now there's this opportunity for carriers who couldn't sort of capture those very large multinationals on a, on a single MPLS network to provide really good DIA in key locations and be attractive to an enterprise that, that wouldn't have been able to use Absolutely. that carrier because of their regional nature or whatever in the past. So, yeah. so, you know, depending on which end of the carrier universe you're in, this is actually potentially like a, a big opportunity. And I have to yep. say, even, even the large global players, um, they, they've seen the writing on the wall that, you know, they, mm. they're, uh, you know, trying to, to 
buy into this uh, sort of um, uh, you know new world as well, and 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 integrate other services. Yeah, it's cer- I mean, it certainly varies so, by geography, but you know the likes yeah. of Latin America and um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Africa. You know, yeah. when I was the place I was working before, we you know we were using regional carriers in that in those countries or sometimes national carriers because you know there was mm-hmm. there was a couple of local players who were clearly the best for that area right, um, right. but they didn't have global coverage but that didn't matter so yeah that was an opportunity mm-hmm. for those those guys to um, get business elsewhere and an opportunity for for an enterprise to to source better connectivity rather than having to rely on um, uh, one of the one of the global big guys yeah, yeah, exactly. And then just sort of hope for the best in all regions outside of, you know, at, at even even the most global carrier is still at at bottom rooted in a few regions. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, you know, no, no one truly has uh, their own on net kind of service everywhere in the world. Um, and so, you know, being being able to to have that problem, you know, now it, it does maybe in some ways pass that problem on to the enterprise, but with that problem comes this ability to pick best in breed, to have control over the situation and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the things to look at are, you know, the, the, the technical connectivity, you know, I was talking about IXPs and that kind of stuff, um, you know, work out where have they got pops. Obviously there's all the discussions about service, um, te- telegeography's pricing analysis will, uh, help you, uh, from the, you know, from the commercials point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and wh- one of the things that's worth looking at is actually how do you structure your RFP? What, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what questions do you ask in order to make absolutely sure that you're getting, you know, the, the, the correctly specified services. And that's, uh, you know, that's something that I can advise on from a, um, from a, from a technical layer to make sure that those, those, those questions around the connectivity, the ix interchanges yeah. the undersea cables yeah. you know if you're if you're going global then that's kind of stuff that's worth that you know just like at, at the top that's exactly why i kind of had this idea that, that we should work together in this kind of thing is that is that we have all of this information about where where all the carriers are located you know which submarine cables they're on which data centers they're in who has fiber into what data centers how much does it cost for all of that um, but you know, ultimately we're in the information business. We just throw that at the enterprise and say, okay, you know, like <laughs> it's now, numbers, figure it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, 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 and I think, you know, that, that's exactly where you sort of come in as like, okay, let's take, that's, that's a lot of powerful data. Let's take it and turn it into something actionable for your network, you know? Um, and, uh, I think, I think that is going to be really interesting to, to, um, sort of watch how this, uh, plays out, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. As we've sort of gone through here and, and seen, you know, what, what all the parameters are, I think, you know, it's pretty clear we're, we're we've moved beyond that, that world where you pick a, a big incumbent provider for your multinational network every few years and then kind of set it and forget it. And, and maybe to your point, um, spend the interim years just putting out fires, right? You know? <laughs> um, uh, n- now we have all of these, you know, network selections to make. Uh, the IT infrastructure group also has to make it work with not just the layer one, two, three stuff, right? Um, but with the SD-WAN overlays, maybe some some middle mile overlay kind of services. And of course, uh, what is on everybody's mind these days is, is the security piece, right? And, uh, everyone wants to get to where they've implemented ZTNA and, and, and SASE and stuff like that. Mm. 
Now that has, and we've talked about this a lot uh, on the show, and 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 you know, um, with with a lot of customers. When that has traditionally been outside of of the IT infrastructure team to some extent, right? The making security decisions. It's it's now very much it has to be, if, and if it's not, it's a problem. Integrated into the the WAN team. Um, what do you think are, are the best practices there? Uh, through uh, you know, thinking through. Um, if I'm going to make these changes, my whole security posture is going to change. It's not just my carrier's problem anymore. Um, how does that fit into the to the network team's sort mm. of purview? Yeah. So the 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 way I like to think of it is that you know in this architecture, SD WAN and SASE and ZTNA, those you know those those acronyms can intermingle sometimes between different vendors where exactly it's what so was complicated that. so yeah, consider them exactly. all in all all in the round but yeah. they they're, they those technologies are are now all part of your wan right your right. your wan does your wan boundary no longer stops at the interface of your um, on premises router or firewall mm-hmm. it goes all the way into the the SD WAN orchestration and, and cloud systems. It goes all the way into the SASE providers' uh, data centers and cloud security stacks, and it goes all the way through whatever ZTNA-based um, uh, approach that you're using to bring bring your end users yeah. into your network. So you, you you can't just say, "Oh, that's a problem for the security security right. guys." No, it's as as WAN manager, mm-hmm. you have to know that stuff. You have to think of this as this is part of my WAN. I have to monitor it. I have to understand how it works. I have to assess performance on it. I have to make sure I understand what the user experience is. And mm-hmm. what I have to think about is it is at the end of the day software. So mm-hmm. you have to think, in all, you know, if you are the type of organization that likes to do long, you know, contracts and tie ins, then okay, so be it. But, you know, fundamentally, one SASE vendor can, generally speaking, be swapped for another. They, broadly speaking, solve the same problem, mm-hmm. obviously with different mm-hmm. technology and different secret right. source. But you can kind of look at the architecture of, I say, I'm not going to name names, but a couple of different vendors and go, yeah, they're kind of broadly the same. There's some kind of user agent. There's some kind of tunnels to a, um, mm-hmm. a bunch of distributed mm-hmm. data centers. They do a bunch of security processing within that data center, and then they spit it out to the internet. Push it back out, right. Yeah. So um, always try and bear in mind what's the performance of the and the architecture of, of, of the, the one that I'm using, mm-hmm. and then keep an eye on the other guys, mm-hmm. um, if only to make sure that your current vendor stays honest from a uh, pricing point of view. Yeah, that's a great point. Exactly. And, and, and I, I should say, you know, uh, more sort of shameless self promotion here that, that we we intend to integrate that into our benchmarking practice you know sort of as as benchmarkers we we for for the for the most of the life of benchmarking networks it was about your mpls port your dia and your local access bit maybe a little bit for the cpe we then had to add in sd wan we're now adding in uh you know middle mile optimization if you need that kind of thing or, or fabric kind of uh you know cloud connections and then Hopefully, we'll get there uh, soon w- uh, uh, with with adding in the sort of uh, security bits from the network standpoint. Obviously, it doesn't make sense for us to cover just like general IT security, but we're going to look at, you know, sort of 
each of those elements, like, you know, you're, you're getting privileged access management or whatever, there's, there's going to be some sort of identifiable cost that, that should really kind of fall into the, the WAN in, in uh, benchmarking out your network in a way that it, it didn't previously. So we're looking at adding that bit in because you're right, in the end, um, that is, is going to be a key differentiator, right? Is, uh, is how much does this cost? Because uh, um, there's, there's, there's a lot, uh, well, I should say, there's a lot of kind of sassy washing going on, like there was with, with SD WAN a few years ago, right? So yeah. um, it's it's not even just the price, but looking at like what is this service actually? So breaking sassy down or ZTNA likewise into discrete things that you uh, you know are, get a solution from a vendor and what it actually does for you and where it happens too, you know. And yeah. I think that's that's important as well, and uh, especially in this world that we're in now. You're, you know, a, a company that previously had 150 sites in a certain sense now has, you know, 10,000 where Absolutely. each of their employees yeah. are located. Right. So um, when you're talking about the edge, that that uh, edge is is uh, more decentralized than we could have possibly imagined a, a couple of years ago. Right. So. Yeah. So, Ian, I think this was this was really interesting, um, I think, as a as a picture of kind of like, you know, what the modern WAN is and. And whatnot, I, th I think what I'm interested to see is kind of um, how we can end up putting this in practice, right? So like if, if you're thinking about making this kind of transition, I think um, uh, once we get a look at a particular network, uh, it's going to be great to see how we can put all of this together, our sort of deep base of of data and your deep base of, of knowledge about how to successfully do this and, uh, and help some folks out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I think we'll probably do this uh, a few times again yet as we get some some new uh, thoughts on how to make this work in reality. But any any sort of parting thoughts um, from you on, on how to make this all work for the best from uh, from your old seat as as a WAN manager? Yeah. So I, it 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 really does help to start this from outside that was that was yeah mm -hmm. that was how i did this you know that the, right. there was there was someone else who was um you know keeping the lights on putting out the fires right that, that kind of thing and uh is it's not the for not for the first time i've actually i've actually done this three or four times now in, in my career in in, in various mm -hmm. different places it's it's a common theme you know, you've got mm -hmm. you've got one one person. I won't say one guy. It might be one man or one, one woman who were the right. you know right. they are the WAN manager and and they they kind of know how it all works and you know they kind of have a plan for what they need to do to fix it. But they are just flat out with making sure that service works for the business mm -hmm. on a day to day basis. Right. And I say I've done this I think three three four times now in in, in different organisations to come in from the outside and be able mm -hmm. to take a look at what's going on and draw the map. Sometimes it's complicated. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes you actually just need to draw a map that says, I think you need to do this. And they'll look at it and go, oh yeah, we kind of thought that, but we weren't sure. It might not actually be that hard. Sometimes it right. is hard. Sometimes you've got to move, like I said, temporary pieces to one side before you can actually put them where you, where you want to put them. So that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's my takeaway is that sometimes you will find yourself thinking, I just don't know how to get this to where I want it to be because there isn't there isn't time spare to think. Bring in yeah. bring in an outside yeah. bring in an outside view, and you 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 should be able to get there. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think about this with with benchmark stuff all the time. I make this argument. It's it's kind of about economies of scale. Like, do you need to do a benchmark? I could just run an RFP. Yeah, you could run an RFP, and that will be your day job for the next six months, and it will cost mm. a lot of money. Or you know, or you could let someone else essentially run your your RFP for you by having a bunch of data about of, that we've already collected, and it's mm. all scalable. And so it's like you know the the cost to us is a lot less than it is, uh, you know, to you. And so I think this is very much the, the same concept that, uh, that, that you, you don't need to do this all the time, you know, so just like you don't need to run an RFP all the time. And so that's not your sort of job description, right? So it, mm. it makes sense to, to have someone who can pull back and let you do your job and, uh, and, and help you through, you know, this without um, you switching your, your role basically for, for a period of time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, um, with that, everyone listening knows how to find me. How, how do they find you? Uh, check me on LinkedIn. Uh, all yep. my credentials and references are on there. Um, and say, contact me through there. Excellent. Yeah. And, and now I can say you can also contact you through me. So yeah, I'm happy to do yeah. that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, for taking time out on, on a, a Monday afternoon, we were saying right before the show, we both did some big cycling trips this uh, weekend and we're kind of uh, yeah. a, a little bit knackered from that. A- but we made aching, it through, so. aching and bruised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Knackered and bruised. Excellent. That's that's the best way to be. That's why that's why I love yeah. cycling. So, <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Ian. We'll talk again soon. Definitely. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. The WAN Manager podcast comes from the team at Telegeography. It's edited and produced by Jane Miller, and it's hosted by me, Greg Bryan. I also wrote the theme song that you're listening to right now. To learn more about our data, jump over to telegeography.com. Or if you want to get right into more WAN content like you hear on the show, you can visit Telegeography's WAN Forum at wanforum.com. We've got all of our podcast episodes over there, WAN manager survey data, and extra analysis pieces. That's all for now. So until next time, WAN enthusiasts.